Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. All eyes were on Athens on Thursday as Prime Minister Mitsotakis met with Turkey's President Erdogan as the two leaders reiterated their commitment to calm waters in the Aegean. John Saropoulos, an independent journalist based in Athens and Al Jazeera Southeast Europe correspondent, joins me to discuss the key takeaways from President Erdogan's visit to Athens, including whether we are witnessing the beginning of a reset in relations after years of tensions. John, always great to have you back with us on The Greek Current. Thank you for having me. John, do you think we are seeing the first steps in turning a new page and resetting the Greek-Turkish relationship? I think the Prime Minister actually said it best. He took the chronology back to the Vilnius-NATO summit when uh, Mitsotakis and Erdogan met for the first time since Mitsotakis' infamous to Turkish ears speech to Congress last year in which he asked U.S. lawmakers to very carefully consider to whom they sold their weapons, clearly implying Turkey and clearly implying Turkey's threats towards Greece across the Aegean. And Congress took that warning seriously and has held back on approval of the F-16 sale to Turkey. So that inaugurated a period of the two leaders simply not talking to each other. But today, on Thursday, Mitsotaki said, we started this dialogue in Vilnius. I think that's when the two of them decided to make a new start. They met again in September on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly. There's been some preparation by their foreign ministers and general secretaries of the two ministries. And if you looked at the room where the press conference was held in Maximo House, there were about two dozen ministers and other officials from each cabinet in the room. It was almost like a joint government meeting. Because that is the nature of the um, agreements that were signed. They were so broad-ranging. They involved so many ministries, tourism, finance, the foreign ministries, of course, agriculture, digital transformation, and so on. So it is the culmination of a almost year-long effort to bring the two sides back into talking terms. Nothing even more than that. Just updating a group of fairly perfunctory cooperation agreements, some of which pre-existed and are merely being updated. But there are a couple of points of interest. John, let's get into the weeds a little bit here. You know, what were the highlights from the meeting in terms of what was agreed to? So the headline is, we're talking again. And really, the point of this exercise of Erdogan visiting Athens was to reset the mood. But there are within that some substantive things. I think the most interesting agreements concern the new electricity interconnector between Greece and Turkey, so that there is trade in energy. That has implications. It means that Turkey could produce renewable energy that it wishes to sell to Europe across Greek territory. And Greece then becomes a transit country for Turkish electricity. Or it could mean that Turkey buys electricity that Greece brings onshore from North Africa or Asia. These are important links. There is an agreement to build a new physical bridge across the border at the Everest River. That's uh, something that facilitates truck traffic and trade between Europe and Asia through Turkey. And of course, across the Egnatia Highway, across northern Greece. And there is an agreement to give a year-long visa to Turkish visitors to Greek islands where they can stay for up to seven days at a time within that year. These are 
free travel to Europe is a big issue for the Turks. This isn't that clearly. Greece is in the Schengen zone and it it has to do whatever it does with non-EU countries in coordination with the European Commission. But it is a sensitive issue to the Turks to be able to travel freely in Europe and facilitating their travel to the Greek islands is one step towards that. What about on the thorny issues of maritime rights, for example, primarily the continental shelf and the exclusive economic zone, which is the elephant in the room? Was this a topic of discussion as well? Well, as you say, it is the elephant in the room. It kept peering out from the corners of the room. It kept coming up in the comments that leaders made, which were affable and general and merely declarations of intent to tackle the difficult issue of maritime space. But it wasn't actually part of the discussion. The discussion that did take place was the ground rules that will apply when the two sides do next sit down to start talking about maritime space. And that can happen both in the exploratory talks, which are supposed to be ongoing at ambassadorial level, and in the high-level talks, which are supposed to happen between foreign ministers and government leaders. So that was left for another time. But at this meeting, the existence of that difficulty was acknowledged, and the leaders said, we have agreed to disagree for now, and it is civilized and good for us to be able to stomach our disagreements without being acrimonious. And that's a, that's a step. For Greece and Turkey, that's a step forward. John, you were at the Maximu Mansion and in the joint press conference that followed the meeting between Mitsotakis and Erdogan. And in his statements, Mitsotakis let it be known that he has accepted an invitation and will travel to Ankara in the spring, while Erdogan also suggested that these types of meetings should happen at least once a year. Should we be expecting much more contact between the two leaders moving forward? Yes, if there's any seriousness to what happened in Athens on Thursday, we should expect that Erdogan and Mitsotakis will meet at least once a year. I would say they'll probably meet more often than that because they have ample opportunities. They've got the annual UN General Assembly, they've got the annual NATO summit, and they should certainly meet on the sidelines of those. But I think an appearance once a year by each leader in the other's capital is something that goes a very long way towards conditioning the two societies towards expecting that there's going to be serious discussion on substantive issues and that it's going to be an amicable solution and a compromise that will forever put away the decades of acrimony and disagreement and maximalistic positions. And that is something that will take a lot of preparation, psychological and political preparation. In order to create the political space to make that compromise, the two leaders have to actually start now to achieve some sort of agreement, maybe five or ten years from now. It may be under different leaders. But even if it is merely the agreement to submit to arbitration at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, even that is a compromise uh, that they have to prepare their publics for. John, Prime Minister Mitsotakis, in the press conference, also touched on the issue of the Muslim minority in Thrace, a minority like the Greek minority in Istanbul, that is protected under the Lausanne Treaty. This has been a topic of conversation in Greek media since the meeting wrapped up. Why was its mention so significant? So the Muslim minority, of course, which the Turkish president called the Turkish minority, is a recurring theme with Mr. Erdogan. Remember, it was 
the touchstone of the disagreement in 2017 when he and then-President Pavlopoulos argued about the Lausanne Treaty. Erdogan meant that his demand for a revision of Lausanne was meant in part for the benefit of the Muslim minority in Thrace. His insistence that it doesn't receive fair and equal treatment in Greek society really stings Greek ears, of course, because under Lausanne, the Muslim minority in Thrace and the Christian minority in Constantinople were meant to have been protected minorities. And as we well know, only the Muslim minority in Thrace is preserved today. The Christians of Constantinople, Greeks, Armenians, were run out of town in pogroms in 1955, which happened for internal political reasons, perhaps, but they contravened Turkey's obligations in international law. And that is now, it is now very difficult for Greeks to hear a Turkish leader talking about the rights of the Turkish minority rather than Muslim minority in Thrace. Firstly, for that reason, for this historic reason, and secondly, because Mr. Erdogan is trying effectively to condition the Muslims to think of themselves as Turks, and I think ultimately hoping to manipulate them for political ends within Greek elections, the way he has very successfully done with the Turkish minority in Germany, which uh, now has a very powerful vote in legislative elections there. So that's something that the Greeks find offensive, and they do not feel they deserve any sort of schooling from any Turkish leader on treatment of minorities. It is interesting that Mitsotakis, in his inaugural speech as prime minister in his second term in July this year, made special mention of the Muslim minority in parliament and said that we should undertake measures to promote their well-being and to make them truly equal citizens within Greek society, which suggests that there is some admission on the Greek side that it could do more for that minority. But it does not suggest that there's any comparison between how the Greeks have treated their Muslims and how the Turks have treated their Christians. John, wrapping up, ahead of this visit, former Prime Minister Adoni Samaras warned that while you know airspace violations may have fallen off, provocations haven't, implying Turkey's continued threat of war, issues like the Blue Homeland, and Ankara's disputes over Greek sovereignty in the Aegean that you and I have covered on this podcast. Moving forward, will Athens need to trust but verify when it comes to Ankara? I think Athens will trust that Turkey will abide by its good behavior in the Aegean airspace that began after the twin earthquakes leveled several cities in Turkey this year, and Turkey realized it had bigger problems than pushing the Greeks into a settlement that the Greeks would rather avoid on Aegean airspace and maritime space. But there is an issue of, of verification. There is an issue of ensuring that the non-violation of Greek airspace continues, because as a former prime minister, Andoni Samaras, pointed out in an interview before Erdogan's visit to Athens, the Turks have behaved well before and then gone back to behaving badly. So if you're going to have a serious new era being inaugurated now in which the two sides really are going to genuinely try to form a friendship and be an exemplar to the world of rivals turned friends, then you have to make sure that that non-violation and respect for each other's space remains. So I, I think we'll see that issue being addressed 
in due course, but I'm not sure what form that address will take. Will it be a formal signature between the two militaries uh, on a document? Will it be a declaration of, you know, intent to respect rules of safety in the Aegean airspace? I'm not sure. John, thanks again for joining us. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for having me. In other news, the door is now wide open for the entry of quality and long-term investors who manage trillions of dollars into the Greek bonds market. Bloomberg Index Services has become the first to include Greek bonds among the elite of the debt markets, announcing that 17 Greek bonds worth 73 billion euros are to be included in its index series as of January. In the coming days, similar announcements are expected from other providers such as S&P Dow Jones, the FTSE, and JP Morgan Chase. It was the upgrade of Greece by Fitch that led to this development as most international bond indices require an investment-grade rating from at least two of the big three rating agencies. Finally, construction of a 1.9 billion euro section of an electricity cable that will connect the power grids of Greece and Cyprus is slated to begin in the new year. An eventual extension of the renamed Great Sea Interconnector plans to connect to Israel's power grid as well. The Crete-Cyprus section of the cable should be ready by 2029 at the latest, Cyprus Energy Minister George Babanastasiou said. He said Cyprus is expected to make a decision by the end of January on funding the project with a 100 million euro investment. The connected grids would mean cheaper and cleaner energy for Cyprus and would help ensure its energy security. The EU has also earmarked around 800 million euros for the project. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.